Welcome to the Servants Feast Christian Ministry Podcast with Reverend Elizabeth Moreau. Elizabeth wrote the From Called to Sent Discipleship series that includes six books and two retreats for the intellectual and spiritual development of Christians in the local church. In Elizabeth's From Called to Sent series, she often tells us there is more. Christianity is so much more than just attending church and Sunday school. The riches of our faith are beyond what we can hope or imagine. Jesus tells us that he came that we might have life and have it abundantly. Elizabeth passionately teaches the treasures of Christian life to the end that we grow and mature and experience an abundant life in Christ. Her reflections on topics and issues of the day always point to Jesus with the purpose of advancing his kingdom. She desires for us all to understand the deep and rich heritage we inherit from the historic and universal church. In Romans, Paul tells us, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. With this thought, let us continue our journey of transformation and renewal as Elizabeth shares her teaching through this podcast. Well, welcome. This is Elizabeth, and I do thank you for joining us today. It is the first podcast of 2022, and I admit to you that um, I find that kind of exciting. I like the new year. I like a new beginning and starting all over. Uh, Yesterday was Epiphany, and that's the day that we celebrate the Magi's visit to the Christ child in Bethlehem. And um, the arrival of the Magi revealed to Jesus uh, revealed to the world that Jesus is the Messiah for the whole world, not just for the Jews. I mean, the Magi, is obvious, the Magi were obviously not Jews. And that's important, I think, for us as Christians to remember because um, Jesus is not just for Christians today. Jesus is still for the salvation of the whole world. And I think we could use an epiphany today. Um, epiphany means a revelation of God where you are able to see God. Um, he becomes visible and known in a tangible manner. I mean, like, how can you get any more tangible than a human being? Jesus was pretty tangible. You know, it's sometimes defined as a manifestation where God is, you know, made manifest in whatever. And that's basically the same thing. God is revealed. And I, and I am all for that. I think we should be praying that God would make himself known to us again. And um, speaking of prayer, I think that we should uh, open a podcast. Uh, We should always open the podcast with a word of prayer. Let's pray. Hear my prayer, Heavenly Father. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. We ask that you open our hearts and our minds to the knowledge and love of you in Jesus Christ. Grant that we may receive your Holy Spirit for the healing of our souls. Illumine our thoughts and enliven our hearts. Teach us in this time so that we may know you and your Son, Jesus Christ, and live. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as we are inclined to do with the start of a new year, um, I've been thinking about what matters the most. What are my priorities? Um, I, I personally think... Uh, that this season has a lot to do this with not just with the new year, uh, but it's a slowdown after Thanksgiving and Christmas. You put all the decorations away, and it's such an obvious closing from last year. It's it, all that's finished up now, and we're back to the hu- from the hustle and bustle of all that was going on during the holidays, and uh, we're now back to our routine, and that's followed by the new year. 
It's a great opportunity to uh, to assess and to reassess your life. Um, it's a great opportunity to focus and and to pray uh, and to think through. And for me, I've been thinking through my work and my study and what I'm what, because I can be all over the page with what I'm reading. So the question that I um, prayed was, what is the thing that matters the most to me? And I'm not talking about family and friends, right? I'm I'm talking about matters of the mind, matters of the soul, matters of my calling. What is it? Um, that, that matters the most? What is the one thing that matters the most? And I think the New Year's is a great opportunity for us, for every Christian, to do that very same thing. What matters the most? You have this year, what matters the most? Let's go with the assumption in this conversation. Let's not get sidetracked. Go with the assumption that God knows you have family and friends, and He gave them to you, and He is not asking you to give them up. So now then the next question is, what is it He wants? What is What does He have in store for you? My point is that we need to focus and we need to set our priorities according to Christ, according to um, God's purposes in the world, right? I mean, think about uh, the, uh, the, the parable of the talents. You have this many talents. God has given you this many talents. What does he want you to do with those? I mean, wh- wh- what would he have you do with all that he has given you, right? So like, I like to read and study a lot of different things, and I think I've said that before. Um, I'm especially interested in science and philosophy, but then again, I'm kind of especially interested in history. I like that. Now, and I, and I understand I make no pretensions whatsoever uh, to be an expert on those topics. I am not an expert, but I like to read in those, and I like to study those and, and, and discover new things. So about what am I passionate, though? And really, I will tell you, that is the sort of thing the Lord loves to show us, and uh, he will do so readily. If you can be still for just a moment with the Lord, it's usually pretty obvious what, um, what, what, you, what you're passionate about, right? And I am most animated, I am most enthusiastic, I am most passionate about the truth. And that should come as no surprise to anyone. Um, I actually, it, it, and, and that applies to all, all topics in, in life. But most of all, it applies to Jesus Christ, um, because Jesus is the truth. Isn't that what he said? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Um, So I'm passionate and most animated about Jesus, who he really is, what he really was, what he was about, okay? And if you were naming a topic, or a subject, then if you were giving a name to this subject, it is we classify subjects, uh, areas of study, it would be apologetics, Right, that means explaining and defending the faith, Jesus Christ, Christianity, explaining what is true. Right. So, in spite of all appearances to the contrary, I have to tell y'all what we hear reported or the general attitude in the West today. It is shockingly easy to defend Christian faith. I mean, all the evidence points toward Christian teaching. The appalling thing, I think, is that not that many Christians know that. I mean, we don't know how, how, how obviously true Christianity is. We shouldn't be surprised that God got it right when you think about it. I mean, you know, we, but we've done a poor job of teaching that. We've done a poor job of understanding it. You know, as a result, most Christian teaching and studying and, and study has absorbed uh, a lot of cultural ideas, a lot of cultural assumptions. And I talk about this frequently because it's a huge problem inside the church. Much of Christianity in the West, uh, um, in general, and in the United States in particular, has been compromised. It means that means that a, a good deal of the of false teaching can be found, and um, it's what the church used to call heresy. I mean, throughout history, we've called that heresy, and heresy is a half truth. 
right? Uh, it has a partial truth in it, and something's either been added to that truth or something has been taken away from that truth. And Lord, have mercy upon us. We are swimming in heresy in, in the church today. I want you to know. You know, that's going to become a larger and larger problem in the months and years ahead. And, and I have to say to you, I think it's a large problem for us and for our salvation today that, if, that Christ has always wanted us to know the truth. We've always, he has always desired that we live in the fullness of the truth. But as our nation becomes more and more divided over facts, over reality, how are we supposed to live as Christians? How, what are we supposed to do? You know, and if we're going to believe in Jesus... If we're going to be Christian, would we continue to water that down and make that less important for our lives? Why, why, I mean, are we the Christians going to be tossed to and fro with every wind and wave of thought? You know, that's from Ephesians 4. Paul wrote that to the Ephesians. You know, we've already done a great deal of that. We have a lot of secular teaching dressed up in Jesus' language, and it's nothing like the actual gossip gospel that we have received and has been passed down to us over the centuries. And I think most of you know that I am working on a theology of marriage and uh, uh, writing a book on that, or I'm supposed to be, and um, what is it? What did God create? What is his purpose? What and That sort of thing, right? In addition, last fall, I taught a Sunday school class shortly, briefly or whatever, but it was my first serious attempt to outline my study and my thoughts around the topic of what does it mean to be human. And there are a surprising number of answers to that question, but we need to know the Christian answer because all, all answers are not equal, right? Um, what does it mean to be human? And if we pick the wrong answer, that can be really deadly for us. And, and really, I think that we are headed that way, that, that we are headed toward um, a sort of deadly uh, frame of mind. Now then, both of those topics reflect an interest in apologetics. And that's my point. It, there's a Christian way of thinking about um, not only what is true, but what is best for all human beings, and especially for Christians, but for all human beings. And how many of us understand what is specifically Christian teaching on either of those topics, marriage or the meaning of our humanity? And even more important, how many of us can explain the answer to anyone else? You know, i got to tell you, teachings on marriage are all over the place. Uh, progressive Christianity uh, teaches that, that it endorses any form of marriage that you want, anywhere, anyhow. And traditional Christians are busy telling you what kind of marriage you cannot have. These forms of marriage are bad. But neither answers adequately the question, what does God have in mind? What did God intend? Now, I have to tell you all, the idea of writing a book about marriage was not my own, right? I was uh, during a conversation with um, Billy Abraham, who's board chair, my mentor, my friend. Uh, the, you know, we lost him unexpectedly last year, uh, three months ago today, actually, the 7th of October. Today's the 7th of January. Anyway, during our during a conversation we were having on United Methodist Church and on sexuality, on culture, and on gender, <laughs> I had made some observations. And he looks at me and goes, you know, you should write a book on that. And, of course, the great irony is that he was faithfully devoted to a wife, uh, to his wife for 53 years before he died. He had a lot of experience in marriage, while I do not, Right. I uh, was married once. I was very young. It was a terrible marriage, and I, I, want, I want to make a point with that, but um, uh, with this, so bear with me here. The whole thing was disastrous, but 
You know, I have no reason to believe the man is a horrible person today. According to rumors, and that would be according to my son, uh, my my ex-husband has been married to the same woman for nearly 40 years. I suspect they get along pretty well. Uh, frankly, I don't know. I don't care, uh, actually. But people change over time. They mature. They learn lessons and, and such. And I have no reason to believe he mistreated his second wife. Uh, and that said, it is only fair to admit that it, I, I, I've, I'm hardly, I hardly have like a walk-in-the-park sort of personality myself. And uh, I like to say that I'm a bit prickly, but... You know, there are times I don't even want to live with me. I don't like living with me. So I cannot imagine that my ex looks back fondly on the time that we were spent that we spent together. You know, but again, I don't know, and I don't care. It was really a very long time ago. So really, it is a bit of a paradox that I, who have very little experience in marriage and that bad, am writing a book on the subject, but just for the record, I want you to know that I think it's going to be a good book. Uh, it's, it'll be worthwhile. I think Christians ought to read it. Not that I'm advertising for my own work or anything like that, but I do think it's going to be a good book. God has lots of interesting things to say about marriage, and that is kind of my point. Christianity reveals what ought to be. Um, and whether your experience is a short marriage or a long marriage, a good marriage or a bad marriage, a one marriage or more marriages, Christianity continues to offer a vision to which we can aspire uh, to what we are supposed to become in marriage. Moreover, Christianity promises aid and assistance from uh, from God to to seek all to, uh, to seek to live the life that He intends. You know, I think of all the things that we um, talk about today that we about which we have no firsthand knowledge, and the most obvious thing there would be slavery. Now, I cannot find a single person who defends slavery as good, right? That's not a good idea. It was not good. But if we wait until somebody, you have to experience some state of being, for example, slavery, right? Before you can say anything about it, then a great many of us, there are a great many things about which we could not speak at all, right? We, we wouldn't be able to talk about them. And that same thing is true of every topic, um, of every human experience, Right? From science to philosophy to education, all of those are better understood and more highly accomplished through, the, through Christian teaching and Christian belief. That we don't know that is a travesty, right? And that is the essence of Christian apologetics. I keep going back to that because that is what my passion is. I really want people to understand that Christianity is true and Christianity is right, right? Christian apologetics explains every human endeavor and for the whole of creation, as well as teaching how God works to move us from where we are in our failure and confusion and chaos or whatever to the point where we're living life more fully, more joyfully, and more meaningfully, according to the gospel. I want to make three points here. The first is this. I want you to know that I am not saying biblical teaching. When, when I talk about uh, Christian teaching, I do not say biblical teaching, and I'm doing that on purpose. And it's not because I do not believe in the Scripture. That is not true. I most emphatically do believe in Scripture. I hold a very high view of the Bible. It is authoritative for Christian life and Christian faith. I believe the, the Scriptures reveal God to us. But I refer to Christian teaching because there are a lot of people who have read the Bible before us. It's strange but true. We are not the first people to arrive at this party um, and we don't get to make it up as we all go along, which is something that we do very well, but there's no need. We need not to do that. 
Most of what is wrong with Christianity in our generation is that so many of us have sought to improve on the gospel. Okay, we're going to make it better. The good news is going to get even better with all the stuff we know now. That's not helpful, and we need to quit that. That is not a good idea. We have two millennia of Christian history and tradition, 2,000 years of worship and prayer before us. 2,000 years of obedience and rebellion, 2,000 years of faithful teaching and false teaching, you and I are not going to come up with something new, good or bad, right? And so when we speak of church tradition, um, I'm speaking about what worked for people throughout all times and all places. You know, how has the church helped people to know God? How do they? How does the church help people to live godly lives? Church tradition involves uh, more than that, but that is, is the most important thing, and it's enough for our moment, this moment. We need to know that there that we have a lot of history of God working in and through the church and people being transformed in and through the church and living godly lives, um, and, and we should not be reinventing the wheel here, I guess I should say. And that leads to my second point here. As Protestants, this is just kind of inbred in our most basic self, our, our most basic understanding as Christians, we have a minimalist understanding of ecclesiology. Right? And you know what that is? That's the church. Ecclesiology is the church. American Protestantism is as individualized as America is. Right? Everybody, it's all about the individual. But nothing in the Bible supports individualism. Nothing. Right? Rather, it is the church that belongs to Christ. Now, individuals are born into the church. Don't get me wrong. Um, we are born into the family uh, of God. Right? But Christianity is not an individual endeavor. It is not. We've Americanized that. It's all about me and Jesus or whatever. No, it's really not all about me and Jesus. It's about being born into the family of God. And, I, and here I'm not even talking about just local congregations make up the church, though that's where we experience a Christian family the most. But um, we belong to a congregation of people that is 2,000 years long right? It's across a spectrum of human experience in every, in every place we can think about. Everything we think we know about God will never match the sum of wisdom that we have to learn from our forebears. We need to pull from the resources that they have passed along to us. And I'm not advocating for abandoning Protestant Christianity, not at all, okay? But I am advocating for, bro for broadening Protestant Christianity to include the treasures of those who have gone before. They've left us great treasures, and we're ignoring it. Hi, you have this multi-million dollar inheritance, but just ignore it, you know. None of us would do that in, in, if it were cash. So why would you do with it with wisdom? There's a lot of wisdom from past Christians, and we lose a lot when we ignore that. And that kind of brings me to my final point for today. <laughs> I've been listening this week to two different women uh, talking about uh, marriage. And both of these women are Christians, right? And I'm, one was a lecture, and another was a podcast, right? <laughs> so I'm taking notes and listening. And the first woman... Uh, made no, had no, she gave us no pretense. She didn't have any theological training or whatever. She didn't have any theological expertise, but she gets up and she talks about, you know, what God wants in marriage and things like that. And she was brilliant. I got to tell you, she was brilliant. 
The second, on the other hand, was highly educated and trained, and I just wanted to bang my head against the wall. (laughs) With teaching like yours, it is no wonder people reject Christianity, especially Christian marriage. This woman was taking this whole bunch of secular knowledge, and secular knowledge is knowledge without reference to God at all. That's how it is today. And adding that to the Bible, and I want to go, hmm, not a good plan, right? (laughs) She was very educated, and I would say maybe education's part of the problem then, right? But anyway, so she says, um, what the first one understood and the second one missed entirely was the problem of sin. As Christians today, it is commonplace for us to try to understand our lives without any real reference to sin at all. And when people raise questions about Christian teaching, and we try to explain why we are Christian or the place to start, you know, where the place for us to start would naturally be sin, right? Left to our own devices, we're gonna we're gonna mess up our lives in countless ways. We can see it; there are abundant examples all around us. And indeed, just about the whole of the Bible is about human sin and rebellion against God, and what God is doing to resolve that, and to solve that, and to restore it—the relationship between us. We cannot begin to understand human nature until we begin to look at human beings through the eyes of God. We will see neither the heights of grandeur to which we are called nor the depths of the depravity to which we have fallen. We, can, we, we have to look through the eyes of God. So here's an idea, right? If we want to go get an authority to understand what the Bible teaches us, we're going to get an outside authority so that we can understand the Bible better, why don't we get one of the great Christian witnesses of past generations? I think that would be a great idea. Do you have any idea how many um, writings exist from the 2nd, 3rd, 4th? There's some from the 1st century. I mean, outside of Scripture, but they are authoritative writings that, um, that explain Christian teaching, Christian life, Christian belief. Do you have any idea? There, there are volumes of that available to us. <laughs> so, we could seek out the minds of Christians who have lived faithfully for centuries. It would be amazing, I'm telling you. You know, we have a great many of the writings of St. John Chrysostom. Chrysostom? Chrysostom? Some people say Chrysostom. Chrysostom, whichever way. Anyway, he died in 407 A.D. He was a very prolific uh, writer and preacher, and we have all his sermons on marriage. We have a great many of his sermons, but he is probably the most expansive writer on Christian marriage because he preached on those, and we have those sermons. And I have this image of St. John looking at Christian marriage today and saying, you know what the problem is here? You two people are trying to get happiness out of each other, and that's not really what marriage is supposed to be. It's supposed to be the healing of the rupture of sin and the restoration of intimacy. You know, you have this two that became one by God's design, and y'all, it's all torn apart. But in Christ, that's put back together, and, and you know, I can just imagine him in the 21st century reading what um, is written about marriage. If you listen to that woman talk, they'd be like, oh, no, you know, and <laughs> whether it's in society, but especially among Christians. The, I, I'd like to hear his response to the second lady I was listening to. He said, what are y'all thinking? Because I know that as John Chrysostom uh, would, that lived in the 21st century, he'd speak with a Texas accent. What are y'all thinking? You know, marriage, marriage is... Um, Marriage doesn't make you happy until you live in Christ. And as one, if you pursue the mystery of his love for his church, then your marriage will be happy. Whoever taught y'all about marriage got it all wrong. 
then we could explain to him, I think, you know, everything we know now. We are so sophisticated. Here's what all we know. We know all about sexuality and gender. We know about emotional quotient. We know about family systems. And St. John would reply, he'd be like, and all that's made you happy? Is marriage better than it used to be? Because what I hear is that people aren't even bothering to get married anymore from all the statistics out there. And when they do, an awful lot of those end up in divorce. How's that an improvement over what God had in mind? <laughs> and, you know, the problem y'all have is sin. You know, you need to start with repentance and then you need to follow the Lord's example and see what he said about marriage. Get after it. I really think that's what he'd say to us. He'd be y'all have lost your minds. Why would you trade all the riches God has for you for, you know, a fool's gold? I mean, why would you pursue that which is lesser when you could have that which is so much more? Christian apologetics defends the truth of Christian faith. And I believe that is very easy to do because eventually our other ideas don't work. You know, God created us and he alone knows our meaning and our purpose, and the meaning and purpose of everything that exists in creation. So that's kind of where I want to wrap up for today. As we enter 2022, I'm going to continue Christian apologetics in this podcast. I've, I've really been doing that all along, but I've bounced from topic to topic as I looked at our world around us. And uh, I have to admit, there's a lot that could be said about our world, and I have never, ever liked for an opinion, that's for sure. But the wisdom of Christianity will get us a lot further down the road, you know. I truly believe from all that I have read and all that I have learned over the years that nothing compares to the beauty and the dignity of a life lived according to the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel that includes the church tradition, the gospel that it includes the very real problem of sin. Right? There is nothing, nothing that um, compares to the beauty and dignity that is bestowed upon us in Jesus Christ. Christianity makes more sense than anything else we will hear anywhere, anytime, any place. It explains creation, it explains human beings, it explains relationships, it explains the world and evil and war. It explains everything, everything that matters to every human life. It explains hatred, division, hope, love, everything. You know, um, I like I like Psalm 8, uh, it's one of my... It's a beautiful psalm, but um, verses 3 and 4 read, When I look at your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? The measure of all knowledge and wisdom is the God who created all that is seen and unseen. He has revealed himself to us, even though we are far beneath him. We are unworthy, unworthy recipients of all that he is giving us. And yet he cares for us. And he will show us who he is and how he made, how he made himself known in our world. And you, Christian, need to know that no matter what the world is doing, it does not change God. There is always hope and promise in him. There is always a resurrection coming in him. Always, in every aspect of life. And there is never anyone more powerful than God. You have, he is infinitely trustworthy when nothing else is. We're going to go through that and keep working along that line and defending the Christian faith because you need to be able to, 
as well as I. You know, I need to continue to learn and grow and be able to explain why Christianity is true. All of us do. Let's close with a word of prayer. Hear my prayer, O Lord. Have mercy upon me, a sinner, and save me. I ask you, O God, to call your people to lift our eyes to you, that we may see your glory. Send your Spirit to walk with us, to guide our steps, and to remind us throughout each day of your infinite wisdom, as well as the safety we find in the shelter of your love. These things we pray in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. All right. Y'all be blessed now you're here. Talk to you soon. You have just heard the latest podcast with Elizabeth Moreau. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Podcast, or whatever service you might use. Please rate, review, and share this podcast with others. Be sure to look us up on Facebook and like and share this podcast with your friends. Also, if you appreciate this ministry, please consider making a donation to Servants Feast Christian Ministry through our website. Join us next time as we continue to explore God's truth as it speaks to our world today with transforming love for all people.